Well, happy Canada Day. Um, that's tomorrow. Day off. I know for the kids, they're already off, and so some parents are like, ah, I don't know what to do with my kids. Uh, but you know what? Just enjoy the time that you have with them. Today, I'm going to dive into something. Uh, just the title of my sermon, I've called The Samaritans, When God Interrupts. We live in a society today of kind of two dichotomies. It's two extremes. On one hand, there are people, there are some of us out here that, that plan out our lives. We have our five-year plan, our 10-year plan. We set our goals. We have this grandiose life mission statement that we make. We meet with life coaches, and we're like, we need to set everything perfect and awesome. Uh, and you have a trajectory of your life. You even focus in on your spiritual life, your family life, your emotional well-being, and your physical well-being. You like to have your life in order, or at least having a sense of having your life in order. And when things don't go accordingly, our world becomes unraveled, and the stress and anxiety eventually sets in. On the other hand, we have people who like to live life with options. We want to have a choice. We want to... We don't like having doors closed. We want to have many, many open doors because we don't want to miss out on an opportunity. We don't want to commit to things because we say, well, what if I don't like it? Well, we actually live in a culture that actually perpetuates this way of thinking because our culture demands that we have choice, that we like to keep our options open. We like to have a sense of having limitless freedom. However, when we have too many options, it often becomes overwhelming, and then it makes it more difficult for us to ever have joy to fully committing to anything or to anyone. And even when we do commit to something, we feel dissatisfied with the choices that we've made. So we all live in a place where we either lean to one side or or we lean to the other side, or we're just a mixed bag of something in between. Both ways of living has its pros and cons. However, when we look at the two sides, there's one thing in common, and that is that both plans of having options open or having a plan in place, the thing that is in common is that those things become the things that we worship. Those things become our idols those things become the forefront of our minds and it doesn't give God room or space to interrupt those plans. Most of us don't like being interrupted, right? We don't generally like surprises or for things to not go the way that we plan for our day or for our week. We don't like to be called out to do something that maybe we don't want to do. Interruption is inconvenient and it is a killer to progress and to our agenda. Why don't we like to be interrupted? Because interruption requires us to stop what we're doing to do something else that somebody else wants us to do. And that often is not fun. When you have planned for things to go a certain way and someone says, hmm, no, I need you to do it this way, or I, I need you to help me with a certain thing, it's annoying, and 
we just don't want things to go that way. So oftentimes we like to avoid interruptions. However, God tends to like to interrupt our lives. Today we're going to look at two stories here. We're going to look at two stories of interruption, and they both revolve around a Samaritan. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for just the way that you live with us and that the way that the kingdom lives is different from the way that we live. So Lord, may as we dive into your word today, Lord, may you just reveal to us just a new way of living, a way to live with you and alongside you. So Lord, we thank you and pray all this in your name. Amen. Today we're going to look at two stories. One is the good Samaritan and the other is the woman at the well. Both Samaritans, and I love that both of these stories are Samaritans. Why? Because Jesus is intentional about using the Samaritans as part of his narrative and as part of his story and part of his parables. Why? Because the Samaritans, if you know in those days, the Jewish and the Samaritans don't get along. In fact, the Jewish actually looked down upon the Samaritans. They actually marginalized the Samaritans and, and looked at the Samaritans as they're just not as good or they're just not good enough. If you look at the disparity or the rift between the Samaritans and the Jews, it's like the Protestants and the Catholic in Ireland where politics and government and religion is all tied up in one, but they are the same people. Because if you look through history, Samaritans have Jewish blood. And Samaritans believe in the same God. But yet, the Jewish people look at the Samaritans as these are, these are halfers, these are half-breeds, they're not good enough, they're just not close enough to God because they are not chosen. Yet they have the same history. So Jesus uses Samaritans to wake up that religious feeling of we are better. Because sometimes even as Christians, we look at ourselves and we look down upon other religions or other cultures and say, we are better. But Jesus is saying, no, as Christians, you are there to serve those that are in need, to serve those that are around you, to serve those that are what we call our neighbors. And so Jesus intentionally uses Samaritans in his narrative, intentionally uses Samaritans in the way that, that, that he interacts with people because he wants to set a new example for us to live. So if, you're, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. That's where you're going to find the parable of the Good Samaritan, starting from verse 25 to 37. So Jesus was using this parable as an example of how we are to live as sons and daughters and as followers of Christians. Jesus was being tested in that moment, and Jesus gave this parable of what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the great commandment. So these teachers, these lawmakers were testing Jesus and says, what does it mean for us to live? And Jesus says that the great, the great commandment is this, love the Lord your God, and then love your neighbor. And he gives this parable as an example, and so we're going to start reading here, and it says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving half, departed him, leaving half, him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. 
So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wound, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will repay when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? So we have a man that's been robbed, a Jewish man going from Jerusalem to Jericho. A priest walks on by, and he passes him by. Second, a Levite comes on by, and right now it's not looking good for the religious people. You have a priest and a Levite. If you remember the Levites, they are the descendants of the priest. This is the, the family that's to, to bring in the religion. Two men, religious people, pass on by. Jesus was intentional about that. Jesus was making a point to the Jewish teachers. It's like a priest and a Levite walks on by, just passes on by. Oftentimes for us, when we, when we actually are walking along the streets, how often, and I, I, I find myself doing this too, when we see something on the street, we'd rather cross the street and walk alongside so that we don't have to interact or we don't have to be interrupted by what was in front of us. Or how many times have we actually avoided phone calls where we get a phone call and we just disconnect because we don't want to be interrupted? That we have something more important going on in our lives that, is, that, that I need to tend to and I just don't have time for this right now. As a son, I do this to my mother a lot because my mother asks for a lot of things. And I'm sure a lot of you could, could even though you may not admit it, and I may be the only sinner here, <laughs> that all of us do this. It may not be your, your mother. It might be your spouse. It might be your kids. It might be that annoying coworker or that friend that's just oh, a little bothersome. But we've all done it. We've all avoided situations where interruption could come in and completely throw off our entire day. Or we could be interrupted and be late for doing something else, or we are interrupted and it breaks our train of thought. I love that excuse. I just don't, don't, I just didn't want, I'm working on something I didn't want my train of thought to be broken. Or we walk on by the long way around the office so that we don't have to go through the short way to meet a coworker that we don't want to see. Oftentimes we avoid interruptions in a way where we go to, the, to almost the extreme to avoid it. But here comes a Samaritan and he sees this man and what does he do? He stops. Not only does he stop, he uses his resources because he uses his wine, his, his oil, and he cleans up his, the, the wounds and the bandages. And oftentimes these things were used as trade items. They weren't just simply just oil and bandages. They were used as a resource for, for people. And not only does he do that, he puts him on his, his animal, takes him to an inn, takes care of him, and then pays two denarii for this man. That's two days' wages. So not only does the Samaritan take time to take care of him, he uses resources and finances 
to go above and beyond to take care of him. And he talks to the innkeeper and says, any other cost that is incurred, I will pay. And then Jesus ends this often as, this is how I want you to be neighborly. Love the Lord your God and then love your neighbors. This is the great commandment. What we see here is that interruption is an invitation. Interruption is an invitation into God's work. Interruption is an invitation into working alongside God and doing things that God wants us to do. Interruption is God inviting us into a place where we're able to experience the way that God moves. It's a way that we could, we're able to see the kingdom at hand. This is an invitation of us working alongside him. You see, this, disrup- this disruption of our lives benefits both the one that is interrupting and the one that interrupts. Because it is in that moment that God reveals himself in a way that we have never seen or experienced. This is the kingdom at hand, and this is an invitation into his work. By serving those around us, God is inviting us into his conversations. Interruption develops patience, selfishness, selflessness, and to take on God's agenda and experience true life with him. It's a part of kingdom living. If we look through the Bible, we see many people that has been interrupted. In some ways, like King David was interrupted, King David was actually the youngest of the family. He was set to be a shepherd. There was nothing great for him. He, in the Jewish family, as the youngest, there's nothing else but taking care of your family's business. You basically got the, not even the best job, the crap jobs. And so for David, he was set. His life was set. He knew his position in life. But yet God comes and sends a man by the name of Samuel and interrupts his life and pours oil on him to anoint him as king of the Jews. We see that, yes, God can interrupt in ways where he brings on something completely new or God actually interrupts in a way where, like Paul, he blinds him on the street. If you know Paul, Paul was actually successful in what he was doing. He was part of the Sanhedrin. He was working his way up. He found favor. The reason why he was going out to arrest and to to martyr Christians was because he had favor and permission to do something like this. You see, Paul wasn't just some low-level Pharisee. He was a high level. He knew what he was doing, and God came and intersected his life. And sometimes God uses a traumatic event for us to interrupt because sometimes we need something like that in order to stop what we're doing to do and then for God to reveal what he is doing in our lives. Sometimes interruption comes in the aspect of divine miracles like Mary. Where Mary, this young lady, pure of heart, gets interrupted by God and says, you're going to give birth to Jesus. Sometimes interruption doesn't look good. Like Joseph, who was thrown into a pit by his brothers, where sin is done against him. And many times throughout Joseph's story, we actually see that God interrupts in probably the worst way, which really will test your perseverance. It will test your faith. 
And sometimes those interruptions aren't always a good thing, but sometimes those interruptions reveal more of God's work for us. And then, then it becomes an invitation to walk alongside him. We have missionaries in this church, Kevin and Julia, who are interrupted in their ministry. Thrown in prison for nothing that they did. But God interrupted to bring them into a new season of training, of encouraging more people to go and do their work. Right now, Kevin and Julia, what they're doing is about multiplication. It's not just about doing the work on the ground. It's about multiplication. So God interrupted their lives to say, hey, I have something better and something more for you to do. God interrupts our lives to invite us into more of him, to invite us into a place where we are able to experience him more and to be able to walk alongside him more. Jesus and his ministry was constantly interrupted. Jesus was interrupted in a way that everywhere he went, there was crowds seeking for his attention. There were people wanting him to do something. Where he, when he was teaching, roofs and opened and people were lowered in front of him and people were interrupting everything that he was doing. And Jesus not only lived in a place where interruption always happened, but Jesus invited and welcomed interruption into his ministry. He invited it and, and made it a part of his ministry. We see this in John 4 where Jesus encounters a woman at the well. In John 4, the, which is known as the Samaritan woman, we see that Jesus comes to this well, Jacob's well, and he is sitting there and a woman comes to get water. And this woman, a Samaritan woman, did not have a good reputation. She was a woman that was married five times and her current husband was not even, the current man that she was with wasn't even her husband. And so Jesus interrupts her life by asking for a drink. And in that process of asking for a drink, Jesus reveals the gospel to her, but not only reveals the gospel, reveals the kingdom to her, it blows her mind and she runs back to her village because of this interruption in her life. Meanwhile, the disciples then come back because they went to get food and he bring, they bring food back to Jesus and Jesus is so jacked up from that, that conversation that the disciples are like, why aren't you eating? Jesus is like, don't you understand? I'm doing the will of my father. When I interrupted this woman, this woman ran back to her village to tell everybody about it. And then she goes and brings this horde to Jesus. They invite Jesus to stay for an extra two days. And many were saved in that village. That if this interruption didn't happen, Jesus would have continued walking on by. That the disciples would just continue on their journey and this village in Samaria would not have been saved. But Jesus not only interrupted someone's life, he allowed the interruption to part of his life so that God could move through what he was doing. Interruption happens and God uses it because God loves to shake things up. He loves to take our lives of what we know to be our life and he loves to come and just stir up the pot. Why? Because when we, be con we become content we forget who is our Lord. 
we forget who we worship. We forget who rules our lives, who reigns our lives, and who brings salvation into our lives. And so sometimes the interruption is just to shake things up so that we keep our eyes focused on who He is. A lot of us don't like interruptions. A lot of the times, I find it very difficult to work from home because there's always interruptions at home. If it's not my wife interrupting me, then it's Judah interrupting me, and it's very disruptive in a way that I can't focus or concentrate on something, and so it becomes this thing where it's just like, oh, I'm trying to work on something, or it's even sending out a simple email sometimes takes like half an hour when you're doing it at home because it's just like interruption after interruption after interruption. But here's the thing. We need to look at our lives in a way that we don't live from these grandiose moments to grandiose moments. It's not a series of big decisions to big decisions. Our life is actually a series of little moments. Little moments where sometimes our plan doesn't go according to plan. That in these little moments when we're interrupted by our kids, when we're stuck behind traffic, when we're stopped to lend a hand, and that we're late for our next big interview, that we, in these little moments, it's where the rubber meets the road and where our faith gets stretched. Do we believe that God is in control in all of those moments? Do we believe that in, even in those interruptions that God is in control? Do we trust that God knows the details of our lives? Do we believe that his grace is sufficient for us to get through it? Do we believe that the gospel of Jesus is powerful enough not only to save us, but also to sustain and strengthen us in those life interruptions? My life is a series of interruption. Us going to Copenhagen is an interruption. Steph and I were actually ready to settle. For those that do know, I was ready to settle into Five Stones. and I love my job. I love living in this city. I love being here. I love every aspect of Five Stones. But God interrupted our lives by, by saying, no, John, I actually want you to go and plant something new. I'm like, great, let's go to Tokyo. <laughs> I was like, no, not Tokyo. Okay, let's go to Toronto. No, not Toronto. Okay, Chicago, that's the last one. <laughs> no, I'm sending you to Denmark. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even know where Denmark was. <laughs> I'm sending you to Denmark. And Steph and I just allowed God to interrupt our lives in that moment and said, okay, let's go see what's in Denmark. Let's go see what's in Copenhagen. And so even this time when we went, we said, let's just go and interrupt. We didn't say it in those exact words. We said, let's go and be generous. Let's go be a blessing to others. Let's go and walk and just, and if you know the Danish culture, they hate to be interrupted. But let's just go and shake things up to be neighborly, to show God's love. 
I know a lot of you have been asking, how was your last trip? It was amazing. God showed up. I'm not going to tell you anything, though, because it's too long, and my time is short today. <laughs> but God showed up when we were able to allow ourselves to sit and be interrupted at the same time. We were interrupted by a loud music festival called Distortion. Right? On our second day there. Loudest music video, just street party, just, just opened our eyes to a lot of what the kingdom has, has to say to us and say, John, this is part of what I want you to minister to. That the fact that this music festival was called Distortion and it was celebrated on the day of ascension. Celebrated on ascension, where we, as, we celebrate Jesus' ascension. God's like, this is why I want you here. These are the giants you're going to face. And as I look at those giants, that's a lot of times I was just like, I'm not ready for that, I can't do this. But God's like, let me, let me do it. I want you to walk and work it, but I'll do it. You just need to be obedient to how I want you to bring an interruption to the culture that's there. You see, interruptions are an act of God's grace. They make us face, they make us face our sins, our selfishness, our plans. They are God's way of inviting us into the gospel way of living in every moment of the day. Interruption reveals our idols, our sin, and the truth of who we really are, and it allows grace to come into those places. Interruptions remind us that we don't need to have life figured out, and that we don't need to keep our options open. Interruptions Show us that we won't miss out when we walk with God. Interruptions are more like the shepherd's rod pulling us back from our wandering ways. And interruptions push us to the cross to remember the gospel and to receive his grace. As we close off here, I want you guys to realize that you sit here because of an interruption. You're a Christian and that you believe or that you're seeking after who God is because there was an interruption that happened in your life. Something that came and intersected with your life and, and said, there has to be something more. That God has taken your plans and said, hey, look at what I have for you. When we take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on Christ, he cares for us and our transformation and he cares that we are being transformed more than our comfort and more than our contentness and more than our agenda. His interruption shows us what we need most. And that's God himself. And so today I ask you to invite interruption into your life that's the way Jesus lived but not only to invite interruption from God to interrupt you in life but to 
look for those moments that when there are interruptions, what is God saying to me? And then at the same time, I want you to look at your life and say, how can I interrupt the lives of others so that God could work into their lives? Where it requires us to step out and say something to interrupt a behavior, a lifestyle, or something that requires us to, say, to speak out on God's behalf and say, I need to interrupt this situation right now because God has something to say to you. These are moments of God's invitation into his ministry. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Lord, for your interruption. Lord, that this disruption in our lives bring us closer to who you are, that this interruption allows us to see your ways instead of our ways. So, Father God, we ask for you to come and reveal more of who you are, to show us your ways so that we can walk in your way and so that we can come before you and seek your face. So, Lord, we thank you for the, the way that you work. And we ask that you come and bless us so that we can bless your kingdom and bless who you are. We pray all this in Jesus' name. You know, I think the reason we struggle with interruption so much is they're inconvenient. And, you know, I, I had to look up the definition of interruption, and, and it's basically, it's, it's, it's the breaking of smoothness or continuity. And God does that very purposely. We are creatures of habit. We, we have our patterns that we like to follow. And God needs to break us out of those so that, that we look with new eyes, so that we look at a new situation, so that we lean on Him. And He puts us in places where we cannot do things of our own strength. And, you know, I was, as I was kind of thinking about it, I was... I started to think about Moses, you know, we're going through that in our, in our Bible study and just his life was a, a series of major interruptions, major events that happened. And I was thinking there going though, I don't, I don't think when he talks to God that what he and God talk about are these major events that happened. I think it's the tiny little interruptions of when they were in the, the meeting place every day talking face to face. It was, it was the little steps where Moses went out of his way to help his people. And, and God could use those to multiply that effect. And, and so I just think that, you know, when we get interrupted, it, it's not always big events or big catastrophic events. Um, God uses those, but, but it's the little things. It, it's saying hi to somebody on the street. It's, it's, it's listening to the prompting when God gives you just a hint or just the feeling to go do something um, and following through with that. So, Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for um, your words. 
we thank you for the worship and that we can come here and just and just praise your name lord just praise you for the glory of who you are and and what you have done for us lord and just pray in the week ahead lord that as we get these tiny little interruptions lord that they may seem inconvenient and they may they may be irritating um lord but just that you would just bring our awareness to them, Lord, and that we would lean into them, Lord, and listen to what you're trying to say to us, what you're trying to do through us, Lord. And, and let us open our eyes to how you can take the smallest of our acts and multiply it mightily for your kingdom here on earth, Lord. So, Lord, we just pray all this in your name, Lord. We pray that everyone would just have a, a safe Canada Day, Lord, celebrating spending time with family and barbecues, hopefully being outside, Lord, just celebrating um, the glory of the nation that you have given us to, to, to live in, Lord. And uh, just pray this in your name. Amen.